Before we start the sermon, we'd like to announce that coming up on September the 20th, 2017, Community Baptist Church in LaGrange will be starting its Wednesday night Bible study in the book of Titus. This will be led off of a study given to us by Chip Ingram. Please listen to the following announcement. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of his truth that leads to godliness. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. You know, I didn't grow up as a Christian, and my excuse for not becoming a Christian was Christians. All the Christians I met, they said this, but they lived a different way. I was completely disillusioned. We all understand that our beliefs and our behaviors need to tell the same story. The gospel's power, and it's authenticated by how we love people. You are the greatest Christian someone knows. And you know what? They watch you, and they observe you. He says it takes good people, people who are defined by God as good, to bring about light and darkness. Moral issues that have been biblical for 2,000 years are eroding, not just outside the church, but inside the church. You have to have the courage to say, wait a second, let's look at what the Bible says. We need to take a strong stand for truth because truth guards grace. What's he wanna do in you that would change that narrative. That when people think of followers of Jesus, they would think of kind, loving, holy, the kind of people that are, are you ready? That are a lot like Jesus. The most dangerous position in all the world is to intellectually agree with the gospel, but not have a genuine conversion of mind and heart and will where the evidence of Christ in your life is making a difference. This isn't a guilt trip, this is a grace trip. The grace of God produces a new kind of life because it reveals God's passion for a lost world and they know about him by how we treat them. Doing good isn't something that you do because you earn God's love. Doing good is something because you have God's love. Let me encourage you and your group, experience the love of God. Now we join Pastor Jeremy in a continuing study of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25. Go ahead and take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to the book of Hebrews. And we find ourselves over in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, picking up from where we left off last week. So as you find your spot there, Hopefully you had a good week, busy week, lots going on. It's back in the fall, fall of things. Man, you kind of feel it in the air a little bit, uh, no doubt. It, fall fans out there, where are you at? Fall fans, love the season, okay. All right, I won't, I won't discriminate. Winter? One, one, two, hey, okay. Spring? Okay. Summer? All right. I think that's a pretty good balance. Let's just don't ever vote on which uh, we want as far as in, you know, because it looks like a house divided. Um, but yeah, I like all seasons. I, I would say I like fall the best. I like the fall time of year. It is nice. You can feel it in the air. So, um, Football season, I know. Some of you already, yes. 
I know, Miss Lucy, shout out. Sorry, ECU fans. That was, that was yeah, that was tough. But to, not for you, though. That was good for you. Good for you. Um, lots going on in the fall of year. Today is sort of our kickoff. It's our back into the swing of things. A lot of folks, especially here near the eastern part of the state, I, I, it's taken me about eight years, but I'm kind of starting to learn who you people are in eastern North Carolina. And uh, summers, I realize, is hit and miss for most of us. Uh, but we get back into the fall. School's back in session and kind of everybody gets back into a routine. And so uh, today is that day in our, on our church calendar where it sort of begins. And so uh, tonight our clubs kick off. Uh, we have our children's program, our uh, Word of Life Teen Club uh, in Awanas gets going this evening. Our Financial Peace University starts up tonight. And then also Dr. Shook beginning his Bible study again. Uh, it's a good day. And so I hope you're planning to get back involved. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's been a little while since you've been on a Sunday night. I'm telling you, you need to be a part. And I hope today's message will be an encouragement in that direction uh, as we look at our text today. Uh, also, as you heard during the announcements and saw the video clip earlier, uh, we begin a brand new Wednesday night Bible study, the book of Titus. And uh, we will be doing uh, a study. Uh, Chip Ingram will be bringing a short video clip each week. It's about 10 minutes long. Uh, but the rest of the time will be in the text in the book of Titus. And that starts next Wednesday. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So for some of you maybe not been here on a Wednesday night in a while, this is a good opportunity to encourage you to get plugged back in uh, as we begin our new calendar year, if you will. So, uh, anyways, I am uh, excited that you're here today. Let's uh, get things going. Uh, stick around after service as we begin to conclude on the message portion as we will, uh, Lord willing, be partaking of the Lord's table. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Heavenly Father, it is a 
privilege, it is an honor to stand in this pulpit and share your word. And Lord, I recognize that um, that is a, a great responsibility. Lord, there's also great responsibility on the listening ears of those who are here this morning. As we gather to worship you, as our hearts are open to receive your truth. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit bring conviction in my life, in the lives of the listeners. That you draw us near. That you give us hope. And you'll teach us to love one another. Father, I pray that your spirit will search every heart, every listener, including myself. That the end result of us leaving here today will be a greater faith, a stronger confidence and hope in the finished work of Christ, and a demonstrated love for one another. Thank you for this church family. I thank you for the blessing of Community Baptist Church. And so, Lord, this is your service. You have freedom and liberty of Christ here today. May it be so in our lives. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You remember last time we hit on the first point of let us draw near. And you recall, this was uh, the three-point three outline of where we're at in the text today. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider one another. And for those of us who have ADD and ADHD and can't remember too many things, uh, we'll keep it even simpler. Faith, hope, love. There's your outline. Faith, hope, and love. And you recall last time we hit on the subject of faith and speaking of uh, us drawing near... And we're going to pick up today, Lord willing, here on hope and discuss uh, the reason for hope. Let us hold fast. Revisiting the text, look in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, and we circle that word therefore. Why is therefore therefore there? Therefore is there because he's summing up what he's just talked about. Everything that he's talked about prior to, he is saying, therefore, because of these things. One of the reasons I believe this is Paul's writing is because Paul had the tendency to do this. You go through the book of Romans and you get to Romans 12 and he does this too. He's had this doctrinal teaching and now he's going to say, okay, now because of that great doctrine, here's how it's applied. And so we see the same type thing here in this book of Hebrews. And so we come to chapter 10 and he says, therefore, brethren... What has he been arguing all this time up to this point? He's been arguing the superiority of Christ. He's been talking about, yes, you had the prophets, but Jesus is greater. Yes, you have Abraham, but Jesus is greater. Yes, you had Moses, but Jesus is greater. Yes, you have Aaron, but Jesus is greater. And so this has been his point. His listening audience, he's reasoning with them because they're struggling with the, do I go back into the tradition of things? Do I follow after Christ? 
Many have tasted. They've been in the midst of the congregation. And so they have no excuse. And if they turn away from Jesus Christ, there is no hope. There is nothing that can be done to renew them again because they are trampling underfoot the blood of Christ. They cannot be renewed again in the sense that if they walk away from the only answer, there is no other answer. And that's what's caused a lot of people confusion in using this text to teach that you can lose your salvation. That's never what the writer was intending. That's not what the writer was saying. In fact, he's saying quite the opposite. He's saying you've got great assurance, great security, great confidence. And remember, we talked about this message being confidence in Christ. Because of what Christ has done. Not because of what you do or don't do. Not because of what you can do to keep your salvation. But because of what Christ has done for you. We have confidence therefore. So here in this chapter 10 section he's saying because of these things. Therefore we have confidence. And because you know you have confidence in the completed work of Christ. Because of who Christ is. Because of his superiority. Let us draw near with boldness. I remember growing up in Redneck Randolph County. Now, I don't know how it was in Lenore, but I've seen a lot of folks around here, so I think it was probably pretty close. And I remember in good old Randolph Redneck County, there was this little saying growing up, my daddy whooped your daddy's butt. Well, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. My daddy drives a truck for a living. He'll whoop your scrawny daddy's butt. And that was kind of the argument on the playground, right? My daddy's bigger than your daddy. My daddy... And so, if your daddy was the biggest and the baddest, you had confidence. Well, guys, I got news for you. My daddy is bigger than your daddy. My heavenly father is the God of all creation. He spoke in the universe, leaped into existence. There ain't no badder than that. There is no bigger than that. There is none superior than that. There is none greater than that. Why do we lack confidence in who we are? I have no abilities. I have no authority. I have nothing in and of myself. So my boast is in the Lord. But guys, if your boast is in the Lord, how much confidence do you have? I mean, if, if Seth wants to play a little pickup game with his cousin Bryce, Seth gets to pick who he wants to play with him, and Bryce says, well, I'm going to take Chandler. Chandler's a tall fella. He could play. But Seth says, I got Kobe. You liked that, didn't you, Seth? He says, I'm going with Kobe. Kobe's going to be my teammate. I got a pretty good uh, idea. Seth's going to have some confidence on the court. Playing with Kobe. I'm just saying. Guys, we are on the court of life, and <laughs> you got somebody better. All right? Therefore, because of who Christ is, we should have confidence. So let us draw near. You've got something troubling you? Draw near. Have boldness in who your Father is. Have confidence in his ability. Now here's where we get messed up. 
It's not always what I want, though, is it? You see, we kind of get our wanter messed up. I want God to do this. Well, that may not be what God's going to do. And he's got a better viewpoint from where he is, right? Far greater. He sees all. He knows all. I have a fallen mind. I live in a fallen world. My view is short-sighted. We want relief in the moment, don't we? But what's the big picture? I don't know the big picture other than what God has told me. I can have confidence that He says all things work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. So if I fall into that puzzle piece, then I know that puzzle piece fits in the big beautiful picture that God is orchestrating. That is a thread that is sewn into the tapestry of what God is doing for His glory and my good. I can have confidence in that. Even when the world around me is falling apart. Guys, we got to keep in mind and remember this morning, you know, uh, the, the, the Irma's pressing in. We still rec- not even recovered, nowhere's near close with Harvey. And that just the tragedy and tragic loss of things that are going on, lives as well as property and, and so forth and so on. But even in the midst of storms, there can be an internal hope and joy because we know this is not our home. God has my days numbered. He has your days numbered. I'm not going to show up in glory and He goes, What are you doing here? You're not due here for another ten years. Get out of here. And if He does, then, you know, come on back. Hang around for a while, right? But... He's the author and finisher of my faith. I've got confidence in that. I don't have confidence in my abilities, but I sure got great confidence in who He is, His Word, and His promises. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we draw near. And now, and we talked about that last time, (laughs) you go off and you leave your remote control Happens at the house, but it gets down in the cushions, and then you got to try to you know, dig it out, but that's another story. Let us hold fast. Hope. Notice, if you would, the passage of Scripture found in... Uh, well, let's look at that verse 23 first before we go to this next reference. Look again, verse 23. He says... Um, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, uh, verse 22, uh, of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You know, sometimes... We waver in our hope. And I believe that we waver because of doubt, which is fear-based. We waver because 
to use Jesus' words, ye of little faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you're struggling with hopelessness, you don't have a lot of hope, can I encourage you to dig in a little deeper in the promises of God? If you struggle in this area, one of the remedies to help you in your walk, to strengthen you, to overcome the fear monster, is the Word of God. Hebrews 3.6, going back a little bit, reminded us, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Guys, one of the evidences that we are believers in Jesus Christ is the perseverance of the saints. True born-again believers endure to the end. It's not by our strength and our efforts that we're kept safe, but by the love of God, by the hand of God, by the grace of God. But a true born-again believer follows after God. Our hope is not found in our circumstances. Our hope is not found in our abilities. Our hope is found in nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is in the Lord. We also see in Hebrews 6, 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. You know why you're wavering? The Hebrews writer is saying, because you're not anchored. What is the object of your faith? Because wherever you're Faith is anchored, that's where your confidence and hope is found. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. And so we've just been told here in summation, at the beginning portion of this scripture, that because of the flesh of Christ, which was, again, his life laid down at Calvary is the peeling back, the access to the Holy of Holies. He's been talking about this for several chapters now, that giving the example of the tabernacle and all the elements in the, in the act of worship and, the, and, and then the going through into the holiest of holies. And Jesus is saying, the writer is saying of, uh, about Jesus, when he shed his blood on Calvary, when he laid down his life and that veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, it was symbolic that it was saying, Jesus has rent that which separates you from God. Our sin had separated us from the presence of God. We could not go into the presence of God. And that was seen in the practices of the tabernacle and the temple. And so people knew that even the, the high priest only once a year on the Day of Atonement could go in there and it had to be right and it was only for a short amount of time and then he was out of there. And it had to be done over and over and over, year after year after year. And that the writer is saying, it's done, no more. Jesus, when he rent his body on Calvary, there is now permanent open access to the very throne of God because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us come boldly. Let us draw near. 
let us have confidence without wavering because of the hope that's found in Christ. So, let us hold fast. 1 Peter 1, verse 13, verse 21, you'll find these thoughts. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. You know when they would gird up the loins, you know what they, they would tie that thing off so they could run without hindrance, they wouldn't trip, stumble, or fall? So when he says, gird up the loins of your mind, guys, we've got thoughts that trip us. Doubt, worry, fill in the blank. Sins that easily beset us, trip us. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We have confidence, we should, in whom we serve, in whom our faith and our hope is in. Hope. G.K. Chesterton in the Signs of Times, April 1993, page 6, said the following, Hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. It's a good quote. And look, I'll stand here before you today. I've not been to this place of despair. Maybe some of you have. Oh, now, prior to my salvation, I believed to, to be at wit's end, absolutely, and that's what brought me to the saving grace of Christ. But as a follower of Christ, yes, I've had bumps and bruises. I've had trials and tribulations, just like everyone else, testing of our faith. But I recognize some of you have been through some deep and dark valleys that you saw no way out. And I would imagine this thought is what you experience. Who else could you turn to? Who else gives the word of hope? These storms are terrible that have hit our land. But as was mentioned uh, the other night in our Wednesday night Bible study, it's been a little refreshing to actually watch the news and hear good stories. People helping their neighbor. People reaching out. Pictures all over the internet. Of various age 
various uh, ethnicities helping one another. It's in the darkest of times that God's light shines the brightest, isn't it? We wouldn't ask for these things. No, we want to guard our comfort. We want to protect it. That's why we do what we do. But sometimes in the midst of our trials and our tribulations and our suffering, that's when we draw near. That's when we learn to hope. That's when we hold fast to God and His promises. And I think on the other side of that, we usually come through grateful, a little more appreciative, I believe these things, I know these things to be for our sake, for our good. God already knows. God, can, within the Godhead, He is already joyfully consistent. He is already, He needs nothing. He needs nothing. He doesn't need us. Don't, don't get that theology in your mind that somehow God needs you. Guys, God doesn't need Jeremy Varner. He does not need me. He does fine without me. Okay? Newsflash, he does fine without you. God's self-sustained. But what a glorious truth to know that God loves us in spite of us. <laughs> wow. You know? I used to say, I have a face only a mama could love. Well, man, I got a soul that only God could love. Praise be to Jesus. God demonstrated His love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That ought to give us confidence. That ought to give us faith. That ought to give us hope. First John 3, 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Hope's not without purpose, guys. The purpose of hope is purification. When a, when a testing comes, when you think about the precious metals, and we've heard this before of how, you know, when they put the, the precious metal into the refinery, it's to burn off the impurities. And we've heard the saying of how, you know, they will look at the, uh, uh, that once the gold or the precious metal is melted down and they will turn up that heat and, and it liquefies the precious metal. And the idea is that they can remove the dross that is in it. Any impurities is to be removed out because of that intense heat, it's able to remove those impurities to the point that the, the, the iron maker or, or the blacksmith or the, the precious metal worker, whoever it is, would be able to see his reflection. And yet, isn't that exactly how God works in our life? Sometimes the heat is turned up and the reason for that pressure, that heat, is so that those impurities can be rid. And the end result would be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And everyone who has this hope in Him 
And Jesus purifies himself just as he is pure. Christ purifies us through the, through the shed blood of Calvary. Notice verse 23 again. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Um, having our, ho- our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Again, it's not about us. It's about him. He's faithful. He's made promises. He can't lie. If God lied, he ceased being God in the moment. So if He has given you His Word, He will keep His Word. And He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of redemption. That's a promise for us as believers. And so we see that. So our third and final point, we've looked at faith, we've looked at hope, Now we look at love. Let us consider one another. Look at verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. John Wesley's rule of conduct said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. A pretty good little marching order there for us, is it not? How will they know, Jesus, how will they know you're a follower of Christ? Church, our love for one another. There is something wrong within the body of Christ when we are unable or unwilling to forgive one another. Is Pastor Jeremy perfect? Got his act together? Mm-mm. Am I going to let you down? Am I going to disappoint you sometimes? Sure. Some of you will say, yeah, just the other day there was... No, we don't, need, we don't need testimony time on that. But guys, gals, God loves you in spite of you. God loves me in spite of me. He's holy. He's perfect in all His ways. How can I a person who has fallen, not forgive another person who's fallen. Should never be the case. In fact, Scripture would tell us that if you're unwilling to forgive another, your Father in Heaven will not forgive you. But you don't know, preacher, what was done. We are to love one another as Christ loved us and gave His life for us. Now listen, that doesn't excuse consequences. There are choices that are made in this world that have consequences. I understand that. And consequences sometimes, that's 
the result of choices. But forgiveness is something that must be extended. And let me say this. Forgiveness is not dependent upon you when you extend it. It's, it's dependent upon the other to receive it, to respond to it. So for example, Jesus hung on the cross. Whosoever will, let them come. Will everyone come? No. Jesus is not willing that any, that, 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 He's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. But not all is going to come, guys. Just because there's a genuine offer doesn't mean there's going to be a genuine response. And so sometimes, in order in our loving of one another, sometimes we can extend the forgiveness... But that reception isn't always there. But that's not, con that's not contingent upon you. Love. Let us consider one another. You know what I like about this passage as a pastor? It says, I'm not a hired gun to do all the work. Y'all didn't see that up there. That's what that says. I'm not a hired gun. Pastor Nate's not a hired gun to do all the work. Let us consider one another. Why do we need to do that? Well, to provoke means to stir up. Oh, some of you say, well, I'm good at that. I can stir up some stuff. <laughs> to spur, to urge, to sharpen to incite or stimulate. Here's some, a definition you'll like. Be a positive irritant. Can I just say some of y'all are a positive irritant? Did I say that with love, Brother Dean? <laughs> a positive irritant. Guys, y'all understand how like a precious pearl is made in, in, in uh, an oyster, right? The, uh, what is that uh, stuff called? The... Um, the nacre, is that I say that, pronounce that right? Anyway, the sand gets in there and this little nacre stuff, juice, whatever, <laughs> juice, technical term. Um, that pressure in there begins to work and there's this irritant, this sand that's in there. And because of that irritant, there's a positive result. It gives way to a precious pearl. It's great value. So here's what this writer is saying. Look at the text. He says, verse 24, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. It's not just up to me to do the work of the ministry. My responsibility as a pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You're responsible, let us consider one another in order to stir up one another. Be a positive irritant. So when sister so-and-so comes up to you and says, I missed you at Bible study the other night. You know what? I'm tired of them asking, saying that to me all the time. That's a positive irritant. 
Right? That's a good thing. You didn't come to care group the other night. We missed you. I was busy. I was out of town. Wow, I was just telling you I missed you. I <laughs> never heard these before. Right? Anyway, love this. Guys, when it comes to your pastor, let me just, this is good. If you're struggling in sin, I'm here to help you. If you're defending your sin, I'm here to challenge you. If you're setting up camp in your sin, I'm here to discipline you. God has given pastoral leadership to the church, not as, I, I love what Miss Holly said yesterday, we were talking about this, and she, she heard a message recently, that you know, the preacher is, is not to, to be looking down from this high position um, upon the people. But when you look up to that position, there's an on. I know I, I, it didn't capture as beautifully as you said it, Miss Holly, but I got it. And the reality is, guys, I'm in this labor of love with you. But recognizing just like in the home, just like in the government, and just like in the local church, those are three things God has ordained. He ordained the family, He ordained the government, and He ordained the local church. And they're all made up of people who are equal footing. But within those ordained institutions, because God is a God of order, He has established varying roles and responsibilities. And when we find the home or the government or the church out of order, that's what leads to chaos. That's what leads to problems. That's what leads to anarchy. That's why the children don't get to decide everything in your home. Sorry, kids. Parents, we don't let the world revolve around Junior, even though he's your son. <laughs> There's a little joke there if y'all follow that. It doesn't, the world doesn't revolve around your son. Thank you. Some of you just got that. Ask on the way home today. What did he? I didn't get anyway. You love your son, but they don't call the shots. God has established an order. Did you know that even in the Godhead, there's order? Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of the Father. But wait a minute, I thought Jesus is God. Yes, he is. Co-equal, co-eternal. The Holy Spirit does not bring attention to Himself. This is why I have a problem with churches that bring emphasis to the Holy Spirit. If you read the Scriptures, the Scriptures say that the Holy Spirit draws us to the Son, who draws us to the Father. There's order. Mama in the family is just as equal, just as important as daddy. And Junior is also important in the family. We have different roles. My house, I don't birth children. 
I know it looks like I could be due any day, but I don't birth children. That's not the role God gave me. That's not the responsibility God gave me. And guys, within the local church, God has given pastors. And it's not my responsibility to Lord. It's not my responsibility to be a dictator. It's not a one-man show. I am grateful that God has placed in leadership around me a variety of men. I don't take my word for it. M.B. Gentry, Dean Hightower, Josh Pridgen, Nate Deck, Larry Smith. There's your leadership. Now, if you know those five, they're pretty diverse, aren't they? They all act different. And of course, I'm the worst acting one of them all, which is why I need them around me. But my point is, God uses different personalities, different peoples, but He's established the order. He said this is the home. This is the manner in which things are to be done. And God has given to His church pastors and teachers, evangelists, And whether it's a lack of submission in the home, whether it's a lack of submission in the government, whether it's a lack of submission in the church, ultimately it's not mom and dad you're rebelling against. Not President Trump you're rebelling against. It's not Pastor Jeremy you're rebelling against. It's God. God has ordained those authorities. Now, Again, going back to what we're saying. If the home is not biblical, we got problems. If the government is not biblical, we got problems. If the church is not biblical, we got problems. This ain't a blank check to lord over. But these things given to us in Scripture are for our benefit. And so let us consider one another, to love one another, to spur one another on, to be a positive irritant. I don't want to see some of y'all next week say, you know, you really checked me, Pastor. <laughs> I'm a positive irritant. That's what they call me. Get that on my door. Positive irritant. Come talk to me. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So what are we provoked to do? According to this, it says we are provoked to love and good works. Provoked to love and good works. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the gathering. Notice what it says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. You say, okay, I know this is where the preacher now goes off on a rant about why he ain't been to church lately. Guys, this is a command. This is in Scripture. But understand why it's in Scripture. The reason you and I come together is so that we can consider one another. So that we can stir up one another. We can get you to use your gifts that God has given you. And that the local church is supposed to be the central hub in the day of grace in which we live. 
But everything else takes place and precedence in your life, in my life, over the local church gathering. But yet when I read this passage of Scripture, it says even the more as you see the day approaching. This tells me, and I read through other Scriptures uh, that tell me this, it is going to get worse. It ain't getting better for a while. These birth pangs that we're experiencing in the world, nation will rise against nation, earthquakes in diverse places. There's coming some dark and bad times, and we ain't even begin to feel the birth pangs in this country. And the only thing that's going to help in your faith, that's going to give you hope, and that's going to guard your heart from, it says in the last day, the love of many will wax cold. You know what's going to keep your love burning strong? The gathering of believers one with another. We need each other. We need each other even more as days get darker. Because that keeps us sensitive to the things of God. Because the media causes our heart to grow hard. The world causes us to become bitter. We hear and see the things going on around us. And it causes us to stiffen our necks. But yet the gathering of believers should produce the opposite. That's why when we gather, we don't gather for the recent gossip. We don't gather for just social events. We don't gather for the sole purpose of just trying to figure out the world's problems. We gather to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That as the days grow darker and it becomes hostile, we as believers encourage one another. We need each other. And you need this church family. And when these opportunities are here for us to gather, don't forsake the gathering. I know it's the habit of some. Scripture says it's the habit of some. But, but pastor, I've got this and I've got that and I've got this and I've got that. I'm just going to say this and be done with it. Maybe we need to reevaluate our priorities. Because if God and God's people is not on our high priority list, guys, something's wrong with my heart. We need it. We need each other. We need it a lot more than the things that we think is important. Because I'm going to tell you, a hurricane will come through, and pff, your world is destroyed, and what do you got? Ask Job. What do we got? I got God. I pray I got you. And I know some of you would be there regardless. Praise God for that kind of love in spite of. And guys, we don't get to that depth of relationship with just the world's interaction. 
We get that with in-depth fellowship around the things of God. That's where we get it. And we take a little bite. We actually start off, you know, with a little milk. Some of you want to hear that again. Okay. Yeah. And then I get a little built up in that. I get a little nourished in that. And now I get on a little something, a little more solid. And then before you know it, I want some steak. Man! And we mature in our faith so that when your brother says to you something that just absolutely goes beyond positive irritant, that's, that's just, a, a, that's in my crawl right there. That really bothered me. I'm going to get in trouble for that too. That really bothers me. I can let it roll right off because I love you and I know you, you love me. Isn't it crazy? You got that brother or that sister or that aunt or uncle or cousin or somebody in your family that just gets on your last nerve. But you love them. And you still get together. You still spend time together sometimes. Now you limit it because you just can't stand to be around them too long. That's why we only have an hour and a half prayer meeting. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> Guys, we got more love in our flesh and blood family sometimes in enduring each other's problems than we ever seen in the church. And it's supposed to be the opposite. How are you going to know? How's the world going to know you love for one another? Well, sister so-and-so did and said this. Love them. Forgive them. But you don't know. Love them. Forgive them. Doesn't erase consequences. We got to take our lumps. We got to take our medicine. But we're standing there still ready to love them. We don't walk away from them. You don't abandon them. You don't turn your back on them. Can you imagine if the church actually got this concept? We would not have church growth happening in most of the South because everybody stay put. Y'all realize that, right? Church growth happens because four went down that way and four more went down that way. Hey, listen. Love covers a multitude of sins. And I am thankful for the love of Christ that covers the sins that I so easily beset, that beset me. So, let's wrap it up. Ooh, y'all went long today. Here's the conclusion. 1 Peter 3, 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. Remember, he's been making this argument. He suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, made alive by the Spirit. We have confidence in Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. He is our mediator. Our faith is in him. Romans 3, 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Our faith is in Him. Our hope is Him in us. Our hope is Him in us. Colossians 1, 27. To them God will to make known. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in 
you. The hope of glory. There is the hope of glory inside of you, man. Take confidence in that. That's awesome. I'm glad Jesus is in the boat because the storm's getting bad. Our love is because God first loved us. 1 John 4, 10, 11 says, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Therefore, let us draw near to God with full confidence of faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope and let us consider one another in order to stir up love. This is God's command to us. Let us not forsake that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth which is found here. And Father, I, I pray that uh, we will take this message and apply it. That we will draw near in faith. We'll hold fast in hope. And we'll consider one another with love. Lord, I thank you for the completed work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. May our confidence fully rest in who He is and teach us each and every day to walk in love. You said in your word, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Help us to love with the love of Christ. In Jesus' name.